Hello and welcome to Affable Chat. My name is Benjamin and this is my co-host Joey. Hey, how's it going? And today we're talking about John Wick Chapter 4. You're going to die. Maybe not. Goodbye to you, my trusted friend. A new day is dawning. New ideas, new rules, new management. We've known each other since we were nine Who is this? The Marquis de Gramont. Challenge him to single combat. Win or lose, it's a way out. I don't sit at the table. Your family does. Please pray for me. I was the black sheep of the family. Man has to look his best when it's time to get married. Or buried. I'm going to need a gun. Goodbye, my friend. It's hard to die. This is an American stunt-heavy neo-noir action thriller sequel finale. Directed by Chad Stahelski. The cast includes Invincible Johnny Utah, Morpheus, Razdal Moerez, Colonel Daniels, Mr. Krabs, Blackbeard, Pennywise, Blind Ip Man, Shingen, Ulysses Peacock, and recording artist Rina Sawayama. I watched this movie in an AMC theater on the Friday that it came out. Joey, how did you watch this movie? I watched it on an AMC theater on the Thursday that it came out. Whoa. What time do you have to go to see it on a Thursday? I, I play it like uh, all afternoon. So I, I, oh, just, I went really? there at 6.30. Um, nice. Yeah. Well, that's what we're doing here this year. We're, we're watching the new releases as they come out. We're getting that's back right. out into the theaters. Uh, before we begin our analysis of this movie, we will recap the events with the synopsis that Joey wrote. Joey, take it away. John Wick's crimes against the high table are having ripple effects across the world. The Continental in New York City has been condemned. Its owner, Winston, is excommunicado, and the concierge, Sharon, executed. The leader of this campaign of scorched earth is a young marquis who has been tasked by the high table to kill John Wick at any cost. The marquis extorts Kane, a blind assassin, by threatening his daughter. Kane is an old friend of John Wick's and is reluctant to take the job. John secretly meets with the owner of the Continental in Japan, but the Marquis tracks him there, sending Kane and his other head goon, Chidi, to destroy the hotel to find their prey. With the help of the Continental staff, John narrowly escapes. He faces off against Kane, but neither is able to finish off the other. A man with a German shepherd reveals himself to the Marquis, calling himself Nobody. Mr. Nobody is after a big bounty, and the 20 million currently on Wick's head is not enough. After stabbing nobody in the hand, the Marquis accepts his offer and promises a big payout. Winston tells John there is a way to defeat the Marquis and get out of the game for good. He needs to challenge the man in ritualistic combat. If John wins, his stated terms will be granted, but since John is excommunicado, he needs a sponsor from a family that sits at the high table. He travels to Berlin to seek allies. There, he finds some in the form of the Ruska Roma. They are not pleased to see him and try to hang him, but agree to initiate him into their order if he kills someone for them. The target is Killa, a large golden-toothed man with a pension for cheating at cards. When John sits at Killa's poker table, he is joined by Kane and Nobody. The dog sits the game out. They all discuss who they are there to kill and play a round of five-card draw. Killa lays down five twos, and they all fight. John eventually kills Killa and escapes the other two assassins, returning to the Ruska Roma. He now has everything he needs to challenge the Marquis. Winston, acting as John's second, delivers the challenge to the Marquis, who is hanging out in a giant art gallery. All interested parties sit in Paris to discuss terms. One game of higher or lower later, everything is set. But the Marquis will not be getting his hands dirty. Instead, he enlists Kane to be his primary in the duel. John spends the night with the Bowery King and Winston. He gets a fresh, bulletproof suit and gun. Knowing that facing John Wick in ritualistic combat will be risky, the Marquis ups his bounty on John Wick to 30 and then $40 million. 
This brings out every assassin in Paris who rushed John from the Eiffel Tower to the Arc de Triomphe to the Sacré-Cœur, the place of the duel. On the way, he faces off against Nobody and Chidi. Nobody picks off anyone who gets too close to John, hoping to save the big bounty for himself. But when Chidi seems poised to kill Nobody's dog, John intervenes, saving the animal. On the way up to the Sacré-Cœur, John meets Chidi again, who tosses him down several flights of stairs. He is saved by Cain, even though they are going to end up killing each other. The two assassins take off their protective suits and shoot each other three times at various distances. As John is lying on the ground, bleeding, the Marquis steps in, relieving Cain of his obligation at the same time. Winston reveals John never shot the third time, and John kills the Marquis with a single bullet to the head. John, Winston, and Cain are allowed to leave and are granted reprieve from the High Table's fury. John collapses on the steps of the Sacré-Cœur. Lastly, we see Winston and the Bowery King paying their respects at John Wick's grave, which reads, John Wick, loving husband. The end. So there we have it, the events of John Wick Chapter 4. We will begin with our pros and our cons. Joey, what did you like about John Wick Chapter 4? This movie is smooth, slick, cinematic, and some of the most features some of the most amazing stunt work and choreography ever put to film. Keanu Reeves is still the man. He's amazing to watch. Um, lots of great characters that build the world up, and it's just, um, you know, that's really fun. And I really like the stylish subtitles. Um, you know, I think more movies should take note there and, uh, you know, stylize their subtitles, bold in color, some of the words, use special fonts. It adds a lot to the, you know, the immersion, I think. I agree, especially the way that they did the uh, Braille reading where they didn't even have to show all of it. You know, yeah. they, it was just as much as he read. I agree. That was really cool. And it's a classic feature of the John Wick series. I, I echo your praise of Keanu Reeves. He is fantastic in this role. Uh, you know, he really brought it home. Incredible action and stunts. Everything we love from the John Wick series. Great cinematography. Really cool visuals. Really memorable characters, including... Basically, all of the new characters, I thought, were all great additions to the John Wick universe. Great casting throughout this film. And this movie is a satisfying conclusion to a great franchise, uh, which is not an easy thing to do to stick the landing. So I think they deserve heaps of praise for that. Now let's talk about cons. What did you not like about John Wick Chapter 4? So after watching four of these movies, I'm starting to ask questions that I feel like I shouldn't be asking. Things like, where do all these guys come from? And like, how does John Wick get around the world, right? Like, like how is he getting from place to place? Like, can he get on a commercial flight? Does he have like a bunch of passports and things? And because he doesn't seem to hide who he is. And like, is Interpol looking for this like world famous assassin? Like, what's, what's the deal here, right? And if he could like get on a plane, right? Why would the high table allow him to do that if he's excommunicado, right? Like, why would they allow him to to like still enjoy some of the benefits he had when he was part of the assassin guild. I don't know. It's a bunch of stuff that's not important. Basically, is what I right, keep wondering right. about. Um, and then I, the other thing I was wondering about is like, are there even any normal people in this universe? Like everybody <laughs> is just like okay with all this killing and shit. So it doesn't seem to matter at all. Um, and then I guess I'm wondering like where where are we going exactly? You know, who are the high table and why aren't they more of a presence in this film physically? Um, you know, we see, we hear a lot about them. We see their vanguards. We see their minions at play often, right? We hear a lot about what they've decreed, but we don't really see a lot of them personally acting, you know? Um, so I, I feel like that's something that's kind of missing from this. And if you really want to have this be a conclusion, I feel like you have to kill the bad guy and the high table are still around, you know, acting in, in this world. Um, and lastly, there's not enough dogs in this movie. There's, there's one dog. He's very cute and good, but there, there should be more. Uh, I agree. The, the world building kind of hits its ceiling. I mean, this, this is it. We're seeing all of John Wick and, uh, I agree. There's like a bunch of things left unanswered and things that were kind of built towards that never got revealed. So, uh, I think that's an issue and I'll expand on that a little bit later. I, I felt like um, this movie, some of the John Wick dialogue didn't work as well as it has in the past. I mean, there were there was like open laughter in my theater at some of the like, maybe not. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You know, it's like, I get that that's how John Wick 
speaks, but it just seemed a little bit absurd. And um, and finally, why does the high table not offer more money for John Wick? He's <laughs> the most like valuable kill. He's the most important of all time. Yeah, he's, he's the only one that's like at all a threat. Yes. So, because like 20 million, I don't know. I, I'm a big time sports fan. And I see these guys getting, like, Patrick Mahomes gets $500 million to play football. I mean, surely John Wick is the Patrick Mahomes of assassins. So <laughs> I was just surprised that they didn't go to some sort of absurd number. It is just bizarre that the, the, uh, the, the skin flints at the high table were trying to get a bargain on killing John Wick. That's just how it seemed to me. I know, obviously, it's a lot of money, but they they should have way way more uh that just kind of <laughs> shook me but that's also just kind of a, a, a poking fun uh <laughs> at this movie but um okay those are our pros and our cons let's really get into it in our overall section go ahead joy chad stahelski and keanu reeves have put together something truly spectacular here it feels weird that the fourth movie in a franchise is still successfully raising the bar and going harder and harder than its sequels when it's really just the same movie four times. I mean, I can tell you about scenes and enemies. I can tell you about cool moments and lines, but it's getting difficult to tell these movies apart. They all kind of <laughs> blend together and each slowly builds the lore of this world. But all of that, the story, the dialogue, the settings, the cinematography, the lighting, everything is simply in service of one thing, which is the action. Sitting in the theater, watching this movie, I was awestruck. My jaw was hanging open. I was shaking my head, but my eyes never left the screen. I couldn't believe it, and I couldn't believe that I couldn't believe it. Here he is, John Wick, in a darkly lit room, killing dude after dude. Some with guns, some with swords, some with goblin masks, some with bulletproof suits. Some he shoots in the head, some he beats with nunchucks, some he blasts with explosive rifle rounds, some he cuts their throats over and 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 over. You know, I try to be perfectly honest here. I try not to be, I try not to hold back on this podcast. I, tr I try to be tactful and thoughtful, to be honest with myself, to challenge myself, to be critical and to give everything a chance, right? But I can only tell you that deep down in my movie loving soul, that when I ask myself honestly, seriously, what do I think of John Wick chapter four? I have to tell you that I just love this movie. There is something so beautiful about it. It's so simple. It's so direct. It doesn't really make a lot of sense, but it makes a deal with my suspension of disbelief. It says early on that if you can accept this at face value, I will show you things you've never dreamed were possible. And it delivers again over and over and over and over. Every single kill is satisfying. It's exhausting watching John Wick beat people up and they never seem to stop coming. Waves and waves of assumingly dead as deadly assassins all <laughs> gunning for one guy. And that one guy is just so smooth, so practiced, so efficient and controlled. He moves with such grace and poise, always right where he needs to be, always ready for the next fight and consistently, devastatingly gains the upper hand in each encounter. Every moment is there to be witnessed and taken in. It's like a dance. It's pure aesthetic pleasure. And it just keeps happening. This movie is rivaling the raid or dread with how much screen time is just fighting. But it never gets boring. Why do I get? Why do I fall asleep during the action-packed climax of other movies? Why don't I care when our hero fights the big bad at the end of a two-hour action comedy? Because they don't care about making it look awesome. They don't care about craft and history. The John Wick franchise is something else. Just like Wick, it's built to do one thing and one thing only. To show Keanu Reeves killing as many people as possible in as cool <laughs> ways as possible. As one of Hollywood's most successful stuntmen, Zelensky is taking the history of stunt work and choreography and standing on the shoulders of giants to reach new heights. It feels weird to say this about the third sequel in a franchise because it so rarely is the case, but John Wick Chapter 4 feels like the culmination of decades of finely tuned craftsmanship. Really, it feels like they're getting better at this and they're only have more room to grow. Honestly, like if you think about the the uh, like the attention to detail and the seriousness that these stunt guys take to the craft of stunt work um it, the, it, with that is the implication of not just years of study on their part but years of watching other people do this right the the from buster keaton to you know like any number of um stunt people uh, throughout cinematic history, right? They're watching all of that and saying, what can we do next? What's the next big thing, right? And um, 
what this is, what what John Wick chapter four, it feels so ironic to say this. It feels like I'm saying uh I I'm I'm uh Peter Griffin in, in the in the theater being like, oh, that's why it's called Superman the Four: The Quest for Peace. The, yeah. the, uh, like th- this movie, John Wick Chapter Four, feels like the 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 result of years and years of cinematic like movement toward like the the the, the fr- fine crafting of a single work of art toward. Um, it's a single point making like the coolest looking action scenes they can make right all of that the best people in the world the most dedicated actors in the world all like focused on one project and this is what we've got it's it's incredible and it feels strange again it feels strange to say this about this because it's not like an original movie necessarily right it's a, it's a established franchise <laughs> but it's doing it better than anyone's ever done it before including it's like previous like uh um you know parts of his franchise it's it's building on this legacy of choreography and stunt work that is only getting better and only getting more and more rich and uh, it's just amazing to watch and that's why i feel like i can't tear away from the screen it's not just like um oh he's getting from point a to point b it's like every moment is something that's been perfectly crafted for this and yet you know this is not just like a well rehearsed sequence of events right it looks like he's fighting people it looks like they're fighting for their lives right it's like it's dirty you know there's a lot of all this punching and grappling and kind of weird maneuvering but it still looks amazing and i just don't know how else to say it beyond like this is the work of you know centuries of hard work (laughs) by really really dedicated people toward making something that looks amazing and uh, yeah I, i mean i was tempted to put in musical or, or like a dance, like uh, uh, reference something uh, dance related in our in our genre, because it honestly feels like that's where this is closest to. I I saw one review that said that this movie fits the musical, um, uh, or like maybe an opera in its genre because uh instead of having large musical numbers they have huge set pieces where john wick is fighting tons and tons of guys right and each little piece just moves you to the next set piece where he's just going to fight more guys um uh, I, yeah i i'm honestly in awe of this movie and it's something amazing to witness and uh, i never really thought it would get to this point you know i really liked all the other movies but uh, like <laughs> this feels like something even better than anything i've seen before it's kind of amazing (laughs) i agree like the the fact that all of this is so well choreographed does kind of evoke the same kind of appreciation for performance that comes from uh from watching a bunch of good musicians combine their talents on a stage a bunch of like finely trained dancers coming together to show you movements that you never thought possible uh with the human body especially because they're always finding new ways to make that happen we've seen john wick tackle a guy do some jujitsu and shoot him in the head which definitely is featured prominently within this movie but they don't stop there they ask him and his opponents who while you you know you never dream of being the guy who gets killed in like a weird way by john wick but the stuntmen who are the ones who are getting massacred by john wick are also doing amazing things there's like sequences that are just evoke a wow because of the cool ways that people get killed in this movie um especially because it all comes across as so real looking this movie doesn't use the cheap camera tricks i mean this is true for all the john wick's movies but they don't cut away there's not a lot of there's i mean there's basically no uh smash cuts like it's it's long takes that allow you to appreciate the violence that's going on in front of you and it basically just says like this is as real as it gets having john wick use nunchucks i think is one of the most (laughs) impressive things uh that i've seen so far out of this series have you ever played with nunchucks have you ever picked up a pair of nunchucks and try to swing around be like oh look i'm a ninja yeah yeah and just hit yourself in the head so easily (laughs) yes it's it's it is a weapon uh, that that attacks you the most and to see keanu reeves go out there and just like use them in in such an effective way and also to really beat the crap out of that one guy like there's one scene where he's just going wham 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 like hits this guy in the head like five times I'm, I'm sitting there wondering it's like dang is that guy really getting brain damage as, as part of this movie because this looks so real the bow and arrows as well it's like okay this is new seeing guys get pinned to the wall in such a violent motion is so 
novel in a yeah. movie that w- allows us to witness thousands of deaths. I don't know if it's thousands, but hundreds of it deaths. It feels like thousands. It's like, <laughs> I don't know what the body count for this is, but it's huge. You know, like it's there's just it's just waves on waves on waves. You know, it it really is like. I mean, if you just picked up, if you watched John Wick Chapter 3 and then immediately watched this one, you'd be like, oh, they're just upping the ante directly from the thing I just watched, right? It's like they just took what they were doing before and did it more and better and bigger. Like, it's, um, I don't know, it, it, it really is amazing. And yeah, the camera work, I really appreciate in this. I think the action is complemented by it. It's always sharpening those close calls, accentuating tense moments. When John falls from a window or down a flight of stairs, the camera is right there to catch all of it. And it's not just the movement of the actors, but it's the pain and emotion at work. I mean, you know, there's a lot of, I think with a movie like this, there's there's a, a feeling that the action starts to kind of lose some of its momentum or that some of its feeling. But the fact that all these people are sufficiently motivated to come kill John Wick feels like it matters that they're there and that this is happening. Right. And the, like the repetition of some of the same actors coming back, right. To, uh, attempt again, um, just kind of, again, ups the ante of, of what we're watching. And, uh, I think that's largely because we are like, the camera is right at the right point to capture all of those moments to, to catch every stray bullet and every, uh, you know, a swing of an axe or anything like that yeah uh, the, the camera lingers like you just like you just said it never cuts too fast it never obscures the action it lets fights play out off like there's two or three different shots where it's just full body john wick standing in the center and there's two guys on either side and he's fighting both of them at the same time um it's it lets you know all of these uh lights and shadows do their work lots of interesting silhouettes and uh cool neon lights that are shining through rain and water and all the rest of it um i mean having this movie set in the in paris right the city of lights at night is just you know masterful uh, there's no reason that you wouldn't do that if you're going this big you know um yeah uh, I- I think the there's one scene that's very video game like, which is where uh, the camera pans up, and uh, you're looking at like basically an overhead shot of John moving from room to room, blasting guys with an explosive rifle. It's weird, but it's the kind of stylistic choice that I think makes this movie greater than the sum of its parts. Again, the camera work never t- like it takes center stage, right? Um, but it's doing it in service of the action. And showing the unending onslaught of enemies alongside John's unstoppable drive. That wide shot, right? The pullback is it's used to kind of show that this is part of a bigger story, right? And I think doing this while having it be dynamic, moving from room to room, still feeling kind of like a video game, but it, it kind of highlights that this entire world is out to get John Wick and he is there holding his own. Um, it, it's, it's, it's amazing, right? More guys keep coming in and he's there ready to take them out. Um, yeah, I, uh, honestly, I, I just feel so impressed by it. That was one of my favorite sequences in the whole film because there's so much to see there. Yeah. There's guys coming from multiple directions. John is, is taking on all of them, but also the environment is being affected by John shooting his fire blasting rifle. G- mirrors are breaking. Windows are breaking. Uh, like shooting guys through are the getting... walls, right? So you can see on either side of the wall and he's like shooting through them. Oh my God. <laughs> there's even a, there's a part where like John hides like behind a table and a guy jumps on top of the table and runs at John. And as he's jumping over John, he gets shot midair and does a flip. And the perspective you get there is so unique. It's, I mean, there's just, it makes me want to watch it again because I know there's stuff that I missed because there's so much going on. And I like that you said it's like a video game because I had the same thought during this movie. I was like, this is if... This is this would be a fun video game because like in video games you 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 know tear down just waves of bad guys and they're able to put that on screen in a way that's entertaining, uh, which I think is like a really impressive feat. Um, I will say. I felt like the beginning of this movie was a little bit of a slow burn compared to some of the other John Wick movies that just drop you right into. They're like, John Wick, badass. Uh, you know, all these dominoes are falling because of what John has done. But I was like starting to get a little worried because it's like 
not necessarily all that interesting, right? Because this is all kind of in the world building. Uh, you know, like I'm confused a little bit by John's interactions with the elder, which was the guy who was like in the middle of the desert who John shoots. And, uh, you know, if you remember in John Wick 3, John cuts off his finger because he, he swears loyalty to the high table in order to, you know, get the heat off of him, essentially. And to do that, he has to go kill Winston. But then when he goes back to New York City, he, he doesn't end up killing Winston. They have like the big defense of the the hotel there and at the end of that winston tries to kill john and shoots him and he falls off the the building so at the beginning of this movie john goes back and kills the elder and i'm like okay so that just meant nothing kind of like it was just a way to get us to you know from a point a to point b and i think we could have skipped that altogether, which i think kind of in, like is, encapsulates my feeling about the general world building of John Wick. Like now that we've seen all the John Wick movies, I'm a little disappointed that the high table wasn't revealed to be something cooler. <laughs> Each sequel is up the ante and expanded the John Wick universe, peeling back the layers and revealed revealing more about what the high table is and how it works. But now that we've made it to the end, we realize that there was never a reveal that let us see what the high table was or or how it came to be or why it's so powerful or influential sure there's all these cool assassins and buildings filled with people that are allied to each other and do weird rituals and stuff like that but it's not very well tied together they all just bow down to the high table which is this ill-defined thing I do think a vague explanation of something like this is better than like a very descript bad one, but I came away only somewhat intrigued, but mostly confused about how the world works. And now that it's all out there, uh, I'm fine with not investigating further. Like I'm, I'm fine being confused. I don't care. You know, I'm, I'm, I, I if they made some sort of high table chronicles TV show <laughs> based on the world of John Wick after his death, I would not care at all about watching it after seeing the entire story of john wick i can confidently say that the coolest thing about this fictional world is john wick yeah i think like uh, the the whole world is just you know framing right for this this character right it's all built around him whether they even though they pretend that it's not right that he's just part of a wider world but it's pretty obvious i mean in retrospect at least watching the first one that all of that was sort of kind of made up on the fly right it's just like <laughs> yes. we don't really have like a world that we're kind of like playing with here we're just kind of trying to make our, our guy like cool so we'll just have this world of assassins and then in the second one they really try to flush it out more the third one too there's like a lot more kind of uh you know pieces to it but ultimately it is very vague and just kind of like in the background which i think I think if you're going to make four movies like this, it starts to get a little grating, like you're saying. Like It's like, what is this thing, and why do we care about it, and what exactly are their powers, right? It just keeps, keeps saying that they're like in charge of everything. It doesn't really do a lot for you, um, especially when they can't kill John, right? They keep sending all these people after him, and he keeps surviving. So they, they can't be that effective, I guess, right? I, I assume well, he's and, really and good, but... Still. John Wick 1 kind of implies that a lot of the reason why they're so highly regarded is because of John, right? It's right. like because of the things John did, it built up like what we are today. That's right. Uh, so I, I do think that that's kind of cool too. And again, I'm not, I'm just saying that because we now have hindsight. We can say confidently now we know everything we're going to know. And it's like not that impressive. Uh, but at the same time, it's just the backdrop for what we're really here for, which is John Wick. And he comes across as very, very amazing and, and memorable and everything this franchise needs. So um, I guess it's just I'm kind of reflecting on that. But I don't mean it to take away from my enjoyment of this, because I agree with what you said for the first you know, part of this podcast, which is that we're here for the action. And John Wick really brings that across. But getting back to the beginning of this movie. For a second there, I was thinking that the four in John Wick 4 meant John Wick for everyone, meaning everyone gets to be John Wick. So many characters in the first act are invincible super soldiers on both sides of the conflict. And in some ways, this builds up John Wick since he's 
the best in a world of unbeatable super assassins. But for me, it was just a little bit jarring to see so many characters on screen simultaneously being John Wick, especially when none of them are actually John Wick. (laughs) I I was getting pretty impatient for John to enter the conflict. But once he did, the movie ramped up from there and and until the end of the film. And I do think that the slow burn at the beginning of the film helped to build up our other characters, specifically Kane, and that does end up paying off by the end of this movie. And I want to use that as like a way to transition into talking about some of our new characters. Uh, And let's start off with Kane. So Kane, what a name for a blind character. Good thing he wasn't in a wheelchair. I can only imagine how we would have felt if we had an assassin named Wheels going around shooting folks. But getting beyond his name, getting beyond his name, Kane was awesome. His blind fighting style was a breath of fresh air and added some variety to all the action we saw here. His motivation is well established, and I'm glad he got a lot of screen time because he ended up being the guy who kills John Wick. Many, many people have attempted, and that's an understatement, (laughs) many, many people have have attempted to kill John Wick, and finally, someone did it, and that someone was Kane. Yeah, Donnie Yen is amazing. He's he's in the Ip Man uh, franchise, which is this Chinese um, uh, action, um, like martial arts franchise. It's each one is kind of it, it's it's interesting to see him in this movie because those movies are in some way very similar to John Wick's movies in that it's just an excuse to watch Donnie Yen like fight a bunch of guys um, in like all these different interesting ways and different settings um, and. Uh, it, yeah, it's, 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 I think those ones have a little bit more rich of a story, right? Like his family life is, it's more part of it. Um, but it's also more, it's like a classic martial arts, like movie or all four of them are. Um, so it's interesting seeing him come into this movie. You're kind of blending these two worlds together and yeah, he's, he really is great. Um, he, he looks amazing. I love the, like the way his character dresses and everything with the turtleneck. Um, and the way he moves around with his cane where he's like, he's like stabbing people really fast and he like kind of whips around. It's really, I think what's most unique about him is that it's really clear that he definitely is blind because he's like, there are things that happen right in front of him and he can't see them, but he's like, um but he the way he just he's just like faster and like more perceptive right so you can hear when people are coming or um any sort of movement they make and uh he's just so quick that everyone's always on the defensive so they can't like ever get in something to 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 kill him with um but yeah it is amazing watching him like shoot a gun (laughs) at somebody that's like 30 (laughs) paces away from him and he's also the way that he moves like especially in that like stairs uh sequence where it's john and and kane fighting their way up the stairs and he kind of has this like crouching style where he like leans off to the side it's uh i don't know it just it gives us something fresh he's he is another john wick in a sense because he's killing all these guys and he's kind of invincible but he does it in his own style which i I really appreciated then we can go on to our our other assassin which is that's kind of neutral slash good uh in the end is mr nobody and mr nobody can just magically track john wick when no one else can it's like kind of unexplained i mean i guess he has a dog but i I, i'm like not (laughs) sure why i think he's i also saw him called the tracker as well so he like because he introduces himself as nobody right and then right he calls him mr nobody but i think i don't know maybe officially in the in the official john wick lore he's known as the tracker so maybe that's why he can track john wick because that's his that's his one thing. that's his name right yeah, yeah. i mean <laughs> good thing he's not called the killer otherwise john wick would have died but he he's motivated basically only by money and i kind of wish they had given us more on that it's like why does he want to you know like yeah, is, there, yeah. is there something more there did he want to use like his finances to uh purchase a giant dog house for his best friend i guess we'll never know and i felt like this made him kind of paper thin until the part where he switches sides in the conflict mr nobody becomes allies with john or at least not an antagonist anymore for john because john saved his dog's life while simultaneously sparing Mr. Nobody. And I think in any action movie, this would make sense for him to switch sides at that point, but especially in the John Wick universe, because John Wick is definitely a pro-dogs movie uh, series. So to have this be what changes his mind shows that Mr. Nobody and John have a lot in common. 
it's a really good callback. I, I really appreciate that. Um, it's fun to have him, you know, save another dog, like save a dog um, as sort of an end cap to the series. Um, yeah, it, it, it feels very purposeful and it is a huge turning point for our one of our characters, which is fun. Um, yeah, I, I laughed out loud, like as soon as he like, they like part ways or staring at each other. Um, but yeah, I, I thought that was great. Then um, the the part where John has to become re-allied with the Ruska Roma, he has to go kill this guy named Killa, uh, which maybe, yeah, like I said, maybe that name was taken, which is why Mr. Nobody has no name. Um, he, in his, and Killa is played by Scott Adkins. And, and I, thinking back on it, it's like, yeah, this part of the movie is just kind of like gratuitous action. Uh, it kind of is just a circular thing. It's like, oh, I need to earn your loyalty. Okay, now I've done it. But Scott Atkins puts on such a great physical performance and it came, it had me coming away thinking about this quote from Jack Black in Community. Bottom line, you guys need a chubby, agile guy. Did anyone see Paul Blart Marl Cop? Paul Blart Mall Cop. I'm like that, okay? I'm fat and I'm physical, okay? I'm strong, hmm? I'm like, kick! Great episode of Community, and also something like that's really true about Killa. Uh, you know, one of the things that I really appreciate about John Wick is their ability for the series to continue giving us novel fighting sequences. And I, I felt like having Killa be so surprisingly agile and physical, uh, especially with the hand-to-hand combat with John Wick, gave us something fresh. And uh, I, I felt like, again, even though in the big scheme of things, this was kind of just like, okay, here's an extra little fighting through the, the uh, nightclub kind of John Wick thing. We've seen this before in this series, but having it be Killa kind of gave us something new. And I really appreciated Scott Adkins's fat suit uh, performance in this film. Yeah, it was certainly surprising when he whips out like all those moves and he's like definitely beating up John, um, which but like it also like fits so perfectly. I mean, you've said this already, but all of these characters fit into this world so nicely um, because they're they're all kind of they all got their like weird thing. Right. They all got some weird quirk. Right. But they're all like uh, part of this assassin guild um, at different like levels or different reasons and all this stuff. So it's nice having him be this kind of like funny guy um and then also have the power to like back it up right uh and you realize that um he's big but he's big because he's like super strong and like <laughs> that's like what it is he's not it's not that he's like been uh slacking off it's just that he's like he loves to eat and he puts all that into muscle so he's like <laughs> constantly just like breaking people's skulls um yeah i i really like that scene and um, I, I this is another callback I feel like to the first one where he gets thrown off of the balcony, uh, but because this time he gets up and is able to keep fighting, um, unlike in the first one where he has to escape the nightclub. Yeah, uh, any you know at this point, uh, no John Wick movie is complete without some sort of dance like neo your rave nightclub <laughs> that also has people killing each other on the dance floor and nobody's going to be able to touch that as like a thing in any action movie without making direct reference to John Wick. So yeah. um. Yeah, I, I, I was happy that they returned to it. Honestly, that's how I feel about this whole movie. It's like I know I've seen this before, but I'm happy to be here again and to watch it again, but newer and different. I totally agree. This movie features a lot of classic Wick stuff. Uh, obviously, yeah. the guns, but like the grappling, the really long takes, the the really really long fight scenes, car stunts fighting in a nightclub grotesque stuff like cutting your own hand in half this movie really highlights the quintessential aspects of john wick it gives us an opportunity to appreciate all of it before shutting off the tap forever and what an ending for our titular character the marquis de gramont had a point john wick truly is a killer it is what has defined the majority of his existence. The only part of his existence that it hasn't defined was the part where he was a loving husband. His wife is dead now, so being a loving husband isn't really an option for him anymore. So being a killer is the only purpose he has left. <laughs> Until now, he finally has beat the high table. He can rest in peace having accomplished both of his purposes. What did, what did you think of John Wick's death? Well, I thought... You know, 
I, I don't know if it's actually true, right? Like, there's been talk about this being the last one, but I've also heard that they may return to the franchise in the future um, for, you know, but, but this was the last one they had planned, right? So it's possible that in a few years or maybe 20 years, they'll, they'll re- resurrect John Wick. So I, you know, I wasn't convinced that he was dead, but I was accepting of the metaphor that John Wick is dead, right? That he has exited the role, right? He has, he no longer is going to be the high tables assassin. He's going to be his own person. And so when he dies, or at least you see his grave, to me, that's like, it's a send off of that part of his life at the very least, right? Maybe his whole life in general, but at the very least, he is no longer going to be the person that he was throughout these rest of these movies. Um, So I, I was, you know, I thought that was appropriate. And yeah, I, you know, I, I wanted to see him take out the entire thing, right? I wanted to see him lay the, lay to rest the entire high table, right? Pick them all off um, one at a time off of the, off of the big list or whatever. Right. But um, I was, I was satisfied with the ending, right? It's hard to kill someone who's invincible, but having that whole setup with the duel is nice. And I think it worked out greatly and had a, f- a fun twist at the end. So he's, um, you know, I think it's well-earned the, the rest that he's, uh, he's asking for. And yeah, I mean, again, like it's sort of one of those things where I don't trust anything I see, right? Like <laughs> I see him laying down the steps and and that's like, oh, he's definitely dead. No, that's not how it works, right? Until his ah. eyes are closed and like they all and then people say, oh, he's definitely dead. It, it, it doesn't count, you know, but um, I will I, feel I would... so betrayed if they make another John Wick movie because I feel like this finishes his arc so well and for it him does. to come back would be such a betrayal of everything we built towards to this point it's like uh you know it's like it's it's similar to star wars not making the end of the vader saga the end of the conflict it's right. like uh you know, it's like uh, making more stuff happen after that that's central to the like skywalker or should i say the palpatine family it, it really <laughs> undercuts the the, the thing that makes Vader so special. And I would feel the same way if they're like, oh, John Wick just went into retirement and then, but now he's back. Yeah. I'm thinking I'm back again. You know, it's like, okay, great. Now, like, the first thing you did is not all that cool anymore. So um, we'll see. Yeah. I, well, I, I want to talk a little bit about the franchise as a whole and like, it, because I feel like this is pretty unique. I mean, we've said this already, but it's really unique to have a franchise this strong, right? John Wick 1 is, comp- is a completely solid movie, stands completely on its own, it doesn't require you to watch the rest of them to have a satisfying conclusion. The second one goes deeper into the lore and gives us more to think about while we're watching Keanu Reeves kill so many guys. And the third one is sort of an epic send-off with a controversial ending. Um, and it starts to feel like we're running out of runway. And where, where are we going for, from here? The fourth one feels like we're simplifying the equation and just moves John Wick from place to place, forcing him to fight the entire time, Um, which gives us more in the world and we have more characters and rules to play with. But it's ultimately a really simple story that's bolstered by his predecessors without losing any of what makes those movies good. And so for a franchise that's really about the like really isn't about the larger world of assassins that really is just a series of set pieces for Keanu Reeves to fight inside of it's amazing that it doesn't get super tangled in its lore or purpose I agree with you that I think the elder stuff at the beginning is totally forgettable and and worthless but it always feels focused it always feels like it's doing what it wants to be doing the the peripheral stuff is definitely has its place and there's plenty of time for people to be standing in rooms talking to each other right but it never stumbles over itself it never awkwardly retcons or spends a lot of time uh, explaining how things work right no it's not complicated the only thing that can get eye rolly is just how many people john wick happens to know but (laughs) that is bolstered by the background right it's by the fact that when he's not killing people john is a simple kind man he respects the rules and his allies he isn't just the world's most deadly assassin he's also a man of honor which which fits the um the importance that the world gives to decorum to professionalism and style uh, you know that's at play so i really do think it's a feat to to um ignore the call of some wider cinematic universe right to become a campy superhero franchise or to fall into complex esotericism the john wick movies remain accessible simple and above all fun and i think that's something really to be admired um 
yeah, I, I think that it's it doesn't have to be super complicated. And I think you're right that if they continue on this, they keep trying to go back to that well, they keep trying to make more money off of this, it's going to feel a lot like how Star Wars felt. And that is really a shame because uh, these these movies feel like they were doing something very purposeful and set out to do that and did that really, really well. And if they start trying to think about how can we make money off of this and how can we expand this into a television show or however else it's going to lose a lot of that specialty. Um, I really, I really believe that like what we're seeing here is something truly remarkable. And part of that is knowing that it has to end, you know, that there's an ending to it that you can cut it off and you can move on to something new and better. Right. I know um, the, the guys who make this movie are, are there's some new action movie that's coming out soon. That's, um, you know, it's, it feels kind of similar, at least in um, like from the stunt perspective. So I know they're like these guys are gonna be very successful if they choose to be, and you know, will continue to make great movies in the future. It just doesn't necessarily have to be inside of this world, right? And, and are you talking about that like movie where they're gonna kill a bunch of Nazis? Yes, uh, yes. Th- there's like a there's a commercial for that before John Wick, and it basically looked like John Wick, except it's Sisu. like a yeah, Sisu. The it's what is that Swedish or? Uh... Swedish or Finnish? I think it's Finnish. Yeah, yeah, but it's like that guy against a whole army of Nazis. It's like basically the same premise. Like he's unkillable. It's like the legend says that you know all that. So I agree. There's so many opportunities to do other things and not have to tamper with what we've already done, which is complete a series on a high note. Like I'm, I'm glad they had the balls to call it and end it here (laughs) before we were begging for it to end. End it yes. on your own terms, kind of like John Wick did, uh, and, and make sure that it doesn't get bad before you have to end it. Um, like I, I, one of the things I really appreciate, like walking out of the theater after watching John Wick Chapter Four, is that I can confidently say John Wick is a series that is worth seeing. So many serieses fall off well before they end and then it's hard to recommend them the matrix is a great first movie but i'm always like ah you can keep going if you really want to but like <laughs> you can watch the first well, one and what about die hard right dead. we watched all five diehards right and those movies just got worse and worse as time went on right like yes it, like they were started all the pieces that were made that those movies good just sort of trip like fall away and there are some good moments but it's it never like reaches that same height and it feels like it's totally lost whatever it was trying to do in the first place completely comes unfocused whereas this like it honestly feels like a return to form without the necessary part of setting up who john wick is or why he's doing what he's doing right it's like well all right you're right like it doesn't start immediately with him but it's immediately like okay now we're gonna start fighting and this is and we don't have to explain exactly why because you already know why we're doing it (laughs) So yeah, I I feel like it's a masterful ending to a series and maybe in the big picture, it won't end up making as much money as something like Star Wars or some other or Shrek or some other endless franchise where it gets terrible and continues long after it should have ended. But as a movie appreciator, I (laughs) applaud their restraint and their ability to end it like this. And and the thing is, I I thought it was just like really well done that this movie is long. Like it's the longest John Wick movie by a lot, but it didn't feel long because they gave themselves kind of license to be gratuitous because they knew this was it. You know, it's, they give you these long sequences, fighting and shooting and stunts and, and, and these maybe going after Killa wasn't necessary, but you get to enjoy that because they're giving you everything they can before ending it. And I, I just feel like they did that perfectly. I can forgive a three hour long film if it's the last one and you end it in a way that is really amazing. So just masterful stuff as from the perspective of like a series of films. But now I want to I want to shift uh, gears into more of a, a somber tone and talk about Lance Riddick, uh, rest in peace, uh, who died right before this film came out, and he of course plays Sharon, and uh, you know, it's it's almost poetic that a lot of this movie is spent remembering the character of Sharon, who who is executed at the beginning of the film, and he's remembered so highly he is remembered as a friend somebody who uh served his station in a way that was very honorable and uh, a way that can be uh, you know looked on as like just pure excellence and while it's definitely sad that lance riddick uh has passed away it's it's also 
almost nice that we spend part of this movie like even just going to the tombstone of his character, which is also so grand. So, and it, like, remember him in a way, like, yeah. in a good way. Definitely. I, yeah, it was a little surprising when they start, the movie starts with, um, in memory of Lance Riddick. But then I understood why they did it, because they kill him off so quickly in the movie. So I was like, oh, wow, that's like, <laughs> that's a poor timing. But you're right, like, there, there, a lot of this, a lot of the characters are motivated by Sharon's death. So it's interesting to um, really to have that kind of tie in. And yeah, I, I mean, I can't remember another actor's death that I felt like sadder about honestly i mean he's only he was only 60 when he died but i'm i'm watching the wire right now and he's so amazing in that show and he's like been such a consistent like part of it um when other like actors have sort of kind of fallen into the background he's still remained one of the main focuses and um i really really like him in that i the first thing i ever saw him in i think was fringe um which i always thought he was kind of off-putting and strange which was kind of on purpose but I really, I really enjoyed his performance in The Wire, and I really liked him in, seeing him in in John Wick. I thought he was a nice little. Uh, he's a, he's probably the person that built up the world the most, at least in the first few movies, um, because he like he's like you know the concierge at the hotel. He's giving him, he's accepting the coins, right? He's talking to John as if he knows him, all that stuff. So it's um, it, he's an important part of this franchise, and uh, I mean an important part of Hollywood in general. So honestly, I. Like this one hit me harder than I think almost any other celebrity death I've uh, that I have experienced, and um, it's sad that he's uh, he's gone. He won't be out there making more stuff, um, but we'll just have to enjoy what he's given us so far. Yeah, R.I.P. Lance Riddick. Um, okay, switching gears again. Uh, I kind of want to talk about watching this movie in the theater. Obviously, we had to do that because that's the only place to see it. And uh, in my theater multiple people were coughing up an absolute storm. It actually reminded me, you know, here in South Carolina, we have these beautiful wren uh, birds that are out there chirping at each other in the early morning. And sometimes you can hear them calling to one each other and they'll respond. You know, you get a little chicka, 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 like in a different area. And that was what it sounded like. There was like a quiet part of the film where we had one guy who was like, and then another guy like waiting, almost as if waiting for the other guy to finish, came back with like, you know, and it actually made me laugh. Um, Also, somebody brought a fucking baby to John Wick Chapter 4. Oh, my God. (laughs) Not just a rated R film, but also a three-hour-long movie, which I thought was a ridiculous choice. They had to remove the baby from the theater twice because it was screaming so much. But I say all this because usually I'm bothered by other moviegoers. And this it was a pretty packed theater. I mean, most of the seats were full um, on a Friday night to see this movie. But... I was not bothered in this loud ass film. <laughs> Most of the time the movie was blasting so loud that I couldn't have heard the person next to me if I wanted to. And I felt like that was awesome. Uh, a lot of movies I do actually hate seeing in the theaters because I get distracted. Um, uh, but not this time, John wick Four, ideal for seeing on the big screen surrounded by the wheeziest MFs in your, <laughs> in your local city. <laughs> Yeah, there was someone uh, uh, clearing her throat near me uh, when I was watching it, uh, which was a little, a little annoying. Um, but yeah, during the parts where there were lots of lots of action, I couldn't hear anything, so that was great. Yeah, no, I I honestly felt like this was a pretty cinematic film. Um, There's all the wide shots and beautiful settings and everything. Um, yeah, These movies are really carefully, like not just choreographed, but you know, uh, shot and and lit. So um, it definitely lends itself to a, a theater. Uh, viewing um so i i would recommend it for sure definitely go out there and see it uh because you will be able to since this episode is going to come out so early in the theater run of john wick so hopefully by the time you're hearing this you can still go see it um okay one more thing before we move on we have to talk about the super bracket brothers and i think if john wick 4 accomplished anything it's that it proved 
our evaluation of John Wick within that tournament to be so, so right. And if you're unfamiliar with the Super Bracket Brothers, it's a fictional tournament where characters from different universes go head to head. And and this past season, also season four of Super Bracket Brothers, so the fours kind of line up there, uh, was about, uh, you know, gun wielding fictional characters. And John Wick absolutely tore through this uh, tournament. And we were brought on as, uh, you know, expert analysts for a battle between John Wick and the Red Hood from the Batman DC Comics universe. And, uh, you know, there was a little bit of controversy there. You know, there were outspoken critics who kind of criticized our analysis and said that uh, John Wick shouldn't have been able to beat the Red Hood. And I I, I am asking those Shut people up, to go see... Yeah, go see John Wick 4 and tell me that he wouldn't destroy the Red Hood. Uh, you know, if, <laughs> it, it's, it's so true. He can tank so much damage... His fall, his ability to tank fall damage, especially and getting hit by cars, puts him on another level. Uh, you know, he's Mister Unlimited when it comes to health, and I'm doubling down on how right we were in That's right. the Super Bracket Brothers Season Four tournament. Come at us, uh, John Wick would win this tournament, and he did win the tournament. So uh, that's right. Uh, we stand by our, uh, we stand by that we were so right the whole time. And we've never been wrong about anything. That's so correct. And we're even right about us being right, uh, which is you know so impressive, uh, I might add. <laughs> but go check out the Super Bracket Brothers. It was a great season four, especially the episodes that we're on, which is the uh, episode between John Wick and Red Hood, and also the finale, which obviously featured John Wick. Oh, also, we were, I was on the um, Punisher versus the uh, GTA Boys, which was early on in the season as well, so... Um, yeah, and we're looking forward to being on it uh, next season as well, where we'll be even more right. Prove it That's again. right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we love those guys. Shout out Super Bracket Brothers. Okay, <laughs> moving forward, we will now go over our cool Easter eggs. And uh, I've got one right here. So the Paris subway station where John Wick meets the Bowery King and Winston is called, and forgive my non-French here. Forgive Port- your French. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse my French. Uh, Port des Lilas is apparently what it's called. I'm pronouncing that phonetically. It's often seen in films as this particular station has a disused platform that's still kept fully functional so it can be rented to filmmakers who wish to shoot in the Paris subway and can therefore do so without having to disrupt regular traffic. I think that's super cool. That is really cool. I like that a lot. You should design your city around making movies in it. <laughs> yes. I mean, uh, you know, d- Atlanta, Georgia does that. Uh, or the state of Georgia does that where they're trying to incentivize. It's good business to have movies filmed yeah. in uh, your state. So, uh, you know, that's uh, take notes, uh, you know, local governments that listen to this podcast. And uh, <laughs> another cool Easter egg, I guess, is that this movie is two hours and 49 minutes long. And that makes it the longest John Wick film being over a full hour longer than the 2014 original really upping the ante to the max for what i hope is the series finale (laughs) that's right there's a scene early on in the movie uh with uh the bowery king played by Lawrence fishburne and he is he has a match lit and then he blows it out and then the immediately cuts to a sunset or a sunrise sorry which is a reference to lawrence of arabia uh, I found this when I was reading a Rolling Stone article about this movie, um, which is uh, pretty interesting, especially since there's a claim in the IMDb trivia that at the beginning of the film where um, John is uh, killing, going to kill the elder, they are filming it close to a rock that uh, <laughs> Lawrence Arabia also features in its movie. So um, two little Lawrence Arabia references right, right in a <laughs> row there in this movie. Pretty interesting. Wow. Chad Selinski uh, knew about knew nothing about uh, Rina Sawayama um, and randomly came across her on YouTube and figured out she was a pop star and that she danced. And so she he recruited her uh, to be a part of the movie playing the role of Akira. Um, and she actually sings the song Eye for an Eye, which is uh, in the soundtrack of this movie, uh, which is pretty good. I, I I just listened to it. I'm not going to play it here because it's a good way to get <laughs> copy strike. Yes, but yes. <laughs> um, this is I, this kind of lends itself to my um, you know analysis that this is really a musical uh, more than it is or an opera more than it is anything else because <laughs> uh, they they're bringing in pop stars to uh, play uh, key roles in the in the series. 
Uh, so pretty cool. I like that a lot. <laughs> There's also a, a direct reference to the war, the film The Warriors from uh, the 1970s, which is about um, a group of like uh, a gang basically uh, that is trying trying to get home, uh, but uh, they are being targeted by every other gang in New York City, um, and part of their part of the journey is being tracked by a radio broadcaster who is telling everyone where they're located. And that's what's happening in this movie, too. Uh, the uh, <laughs> this tattooed women in pencil skirts that work for the high table and dispatch uh, the, you know, <laughs> the, the bounties, um, they have a radio broadcast that's broadcasting from the Eiffel Tower, and you see the lips of somebody um, talking into a microphone real sultrily, uh, talking about how... Uh, John, where John Wick is and, and how no one's been able to kill him yet, which is very cool. I, I thought it was a nice little feature there and a nice little shout out to the Warriors as well. Um, so pretty, pretty interesting little uh, shout out there, I would say. And, and even without being able to catch the reference, that was a really cool sequence, especially because everything's kind of coded, right? It's like yeah, our yeah. wicked friend is headed downtown. Like it's it, it was all really and she was Very playing aesthetic. music that like complemented the like the settings and everything, painted black and all that. Very cool. Um, there, I don't know if you knew this, but there is an end credit scene at the end of this movie. Um, I'll come clean. I had to go to the bathroom <laughs> after this three-hour-long movie, so I missed it. I always look it up. I always, whenever I've uh, as the credits are rolling, I pull up my phone. Is there an end credit scene for this movie? And and that that's how I that's why I stay or not. That's a good so, yeah, idea. I knew there was one. It's not super uh, interesting, uh, uh, but it basically Kane is standing in the plaza where his daughter is playing the violin. The whole, you know, his whole motivation is to save his daughter and he wants to get out of the game to be with her. Um, and he's holding a bouquet of blue flowers, looking like he's about to approach her and give it to her. Uh, but before he can, uh, you see Akira played by uh, our pop singer, to um with a, a switchblade or like a box cutter or something and she's approaching him to the crowd looking like she's going to kill him uh because uh kane killed her father it's very it feels very reminiscent of kill bill when um uh when the bride kills uh one of the vipers right one of the viper squad and she does it in front of that woman's daughter and then the bride says you can come after me when you're older um and you know seek your revenge uh, and similar Kane says something similar to this woman uh who eventually who seems to be enacting her revenge in public uh in this plaza here in the end credit scene well I- i'm I'm glad the end credit scene wasn't something where it's like you know a shot of John's casket underground and then like the rocks and rubble above it start hovering <laughs> like, you know hinting at <laughs> you know a future John Wake movie where he comes back, but also I don't know how I feel about having her actually go after Kane because Kane tried to spare Koji. He was like, he injured him and was like, go be with your daughter. Like, get out of here. And then Koji's like, no, I have to like try to kill you. So then Kane kills him. And he's like, I, I had to do that. And then she tries to fight him right there. And he's like, no, because obviously I'll kill you too. And I want you to be able to live. You can fight me later, I guess. But I don't know. I, I felt like that was, hopefully Kane is able to get her away. You know, this is, this is the assassin way. You, somebody kills your dad. You got to go kill him, you know? This yeah, is, this I is guess why, that is understandable. That's why uh, John kills Killa, right? Because he he killed uh, Piotr or whatever his name is, uh, the one of the Russian guys. Uh, he, he's going there to see, and then the priest comes out and shoots him with a shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> um, one more thing, and, I, and um, this is something I like intend to like read for myself. But I, as I was reading articles about this, I discovered that there's this collection of essays called the world of john wick uh, the year's worth uh, the year's work at the continental hotel and it's like it's 450 pages and i think it's like 30 or 40 different essays written by a collection of different people all about like analyzing critically the john wick universe and uh, all the things inside of it um there's a bunch of really really interesting uh little things in here one of them uh is called bitcoin shitcoin wickcoin the hidden <laughs> feminology of john wick 
by Aaron Jaff, uh, which sounds amazing. It's it's like a it's talking about how like he has his alternative currency that's outside of the regular system, right? <laughs> and how that's a commentary on like our alternative cur- currencies in, in, in reality, <laughs> which is pretty fun. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of really interesting stuff in here. There's some things uh, one called masculinity, isolation, revenge. John Wick's liminal body by Owen R. Horton. Um, and professionalism and gender performance in the John Wick, John Wickverse by Vivian Nunn Holleran. So it's a bunch of really interesting meditations on John Wick. Um, you can pick this up, I guess, at Amazon or Barnes and Noble for thirty-five dollars in paperback, uh, which uh, sounds really interesting, uh, actually. So maybe that'll be something I ask for uh, for Christmas or something. Anyway, uh, interesting little <laughs> uh, like this. This series has definitely t- struck a nerve with a bunch of people um, who t- t- seem to interested in the universe the wick verse the wick the world of wick the wick world uh whatever you want to call it uh so uh, pretty interesting stuff okay well that's the end of our cool easter eggs and that is also going to bring us to the end of our discussion on john wick chapter four as we do at the end of every episode of affable chat we will now deliver our ratings and i'm gonna go first i give this movie a tombstone for john wick that says yeah on it that's his true <laughs> catchphrase and the most iconic line Just, no one else owns that line <laughs> in quotes yeah 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 <laughs> what about awesome. you joey what rating I, do you give this movie? i give this movie uh driving the wrong way in circles around the arc to triumph forever <laughs> what an amazing sequence too. oh my gosh I mean, love that we, we could go on for that. hours appreciating every moment of this movie but that was such a cool fight so seeing guys get hit by cars and like ducking and weaving was amazing so cool so so cool okay well there you have it that's the end of our analysis on john wick chapter four if you enjoyed this perhaps go back and listen to our episode on john wick chapter two uh which we did years ago uh, but that is going to do it for this one joey what's next on affable chat next we are doing the dungeons and dragons movie honor among thieves um, hopefully with a star-studded cast yes the uh the dungeons and dragons guys you actually play dungeons and dragons that's with. right uh, well if you uh, enjoyed... ostensibly uh, it's been uh, scheduling conflicts make it difficult to to play that's that's the joke in like D circles is like the, the real <laughs> villain is scheduling conflicts not any like perceived or imagined <laughs> villain that the dm comes up with well <laughs> hopefully you get the gang together because it'll be the same guys from the jimmy neutron episode which yes. i personally really enjoyed uh, so if you're a fan of that one you'll definitely enjoy this one um you can subscribe to us on itunes spotify google play or wherever you get your podcasts affablechat.com is your new favorite website on the internet there you can find the latest from us and all our social accounts including our twitter instagram tiktok and youtube all of which are at affablechat and even our email address affablechat at gmail.com if you like this episode then take a marker out on a friend for it and say you have to watch affable chat (laughs) yeah i'm thinking i'm listening i'm thinking i'm listening to affable chat Apple Chat is live on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern on Twitch. Uh, this week's broadcast will be a full hour longer than every previous broadcast, <laughs> and we're going to be doing the everything bigger and better than we ever have before. So make sure you tune in on twitch.tv slash Chat. That's going to do it for this episode. For Apple Chat, I'm Benjamin. And I'm Joey. Thanks for listening. <laughs>